Thank you for joining us for the 11th episode of Origins Unknown podcast. This will be the final episode of season one. We just want to thank you so much for all of your interest and engagement in the podcast. When we first started this podcast, we had no idea the effect it would have on the community or ourselves. We also really want to thank all of our guests. Sharing your story is not easy, and we couldn't have done this without you. That being said, we are casting for season two. If you would like to be part of the podcast or suggest a topic for season two, please email us at hello at Origins Unknown Podcast. For our final episode, we are diving into part two of Chris and Nicole's story, as well as we're learning a little bit more about foster care in Canada. We hope you enjoy. Um, I just had a, a question though, like because you mentioned relatives, aunts, uncles, grandparents, or whatever. Um, and this is just me not knowing uh, how everything works. But before, if a, a child is in a situation where they need to be removed from, you know, their situation. Uh, are they, does, do these caseworkers reach out to family members first or, or is it kind of like, no, we're just going to put them with, you know, foster parents or, or whatnot? Like, how does that work? Depends on the severity of, of why the child was taken out of the home. Um, oddly enough, when it first happens, personally speaking, okay. it's a family step forward. Okay. Uh, they waited for several months and then when. We've had we've had instances where we were told up until like the day that we'd be adopting a child who wasn't going home. Uh, we actually had a grandfather step in and go, "Well, if that's the case, then I'll, I'll just take her." Oh. And then so after she was with us for a year, he moved his daughter in with him, and the biological mother, even though she didn't do what she should have, basically was on her back. And that, oh. that kind of stuff happens. Oh, uh, through the cracks. Um. But yeah, so uh, a lot of times that we've dealt with, family won't step in until it's a more permanent thing, mm-hmm. more permanent issue. Uh, you definitely don't get like aunts and uncles asking for access to stuff like that. If the grandparents are part of the, the biological parents' lives, whether they live with them or they, they go to their house every day, if they're a little more invested in the biological parent, then they will be more invested in the child at some mm-hmm. point. Okay. That's interesting. What are things that prospective foster parents should keep in mind and what can they do to prepare themselves? Reunification with biological family is, is the most important thing. Um, it can be hard to realize that they might, a child might not go back to, you can be the best foster parent in the world and you can give them absolutely everything. Uh, sometimes in the eyes of the court, it's more important to have Maybe not have the best of everything, but have their, their necessities met and they'd rather see them with the biological family. So if you're trying to be a foster parent or foster to adopt parent, realize that it's not so cut and dry. Is that the term? Cut and dry? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not so cut and dry. There's a good, uh, there's a good chance that uh, a child would go back uh, to their biological family. So they need to keep, they need to keep open the thought of it might not be a permanent thing. And even something that seems permanent, might not be that that way. So the most important thing is reunification with the biological family. So children will probably just come and go. Um, you give them the best that you can while they're while they're with you. And if you keep that that emotional, it's 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 an emotional barrier. You do have to keep in mind if you can separate the two. You know, you're you're trying to bond with this child. You're trying to give them all the love that you can because they need they need that to grow. But realizing that. In three months, they might not be here anymore. Mm. 
So yeah, you have to do a really good job of like compartmentalizing your emotions because I, I, I mean, which is something I'm terrible with because I kind of wear my emotions on my sleeve. I'm just like, you, you? Know, yeah. Whoa, um, but you're so calm, cool and collected all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Wait. I can see how that, that would be something that that's got to, I would, yeah, that's, that's challenging that, I mean, Austrian is not easy. Yeah. It's, I'll just say it's, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of emotion in it, a lot of potential hurt, but a lot of reward for the child. Not for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, I'm sure you feel good that you're helping. But for us, it is we want to see, we don't want this child to go through two weeks or seven years of, of not developing into the best human they can be. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. step in do that and that's that's why we do it so that they have comfort in knowing that they weren't just dropped off for whatever period of time yeah, yeah i mean, safe I spot mean to land. yeah i mean even with just like you were mentioning to touch upon the development of a, a human being i mean just from the fitness realm <clears throat> that i live in i mean zero to seven like you could teach a kid within that range, that age range, something like a movement, like a squat or a push-up or a pull-up or a kettlebell swing or something complex. And it has been proven through studies that it will stay with them. And so like, if they never do another squat again, if you ask them to do that in their forties or fifties, they're just going to, it's going to be with them. So it does show how important those early years are, which goes back to just adoptees and us where first year, two years, whatever, it's completely just blank. There's, there's nothing, you know, we have no memories of it, but regardless of whether you remember it or not, it does affect your development in some way. And I think that that's why a lot of adoptees, um, suffer from trauma, you know, because uh, of course, because of this, the circumstance. When it's decided that a child is going to be put up for adoption, what steps are taken by you to assess the child or what happens before that point? Like as foster parents, what can we do to prepare a child who's going to be adopted? One of the most burning questions that after searching for the birth parent, um, there's this feeling of trauma and relinquishment. And then there's the understanding like, wow, we didn't just go into, you know, cryogenic freezing. We were still a, a little living entity. Or when you know that a child's going to be put up for adoption, you know, what are the steps or what are the things that you try to do to best prepare that child or, you know, you spoke about like the weaning the one beautiful baby off of drugs, you know, like what are the things as a foster parent that you try to do? What we, what we did as foster parents in order to help kids, I, I guess, keep somewhat of a normal life while their life is up in limbo um, is just making sure that they're loved, that we, we continue that bond of from, from an infant who needs to, be, be birthed properly and walk around and you know get tummy time and just they need to continue to progress. That's what we're there for. We're there to just kind of keep them motoring because, like you said, cryogenically frozen, they're 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 coming back knowing knowing nothing, and they're. I mean, I guess that doesn't work because <laughs> their bones wouldn't grow. But so if there's if there's a gap between what they were used to and what they're coming back to in whatever in whatever case that may be they need to make sure that they develop we we reach these goals these milestones developing as a child a lot happens mm-hmm. everything from learning how to eat learning how to walk use the washroom 
You need to be taught all of that. And if there's if there's months at a time where you're not getting that, then it's going to put a lot of strain on a child. So it's essentially yeah. the foundation, like someone's foundation. Yeah. So what we what we want to do is we want to make sure that every child's feeling loved, every child feels like they're a part of something. So that way, when they get to a point where emotions come into play when it comes to relationships or how to love, who to love, they know that. They know that love because they were given, they were given it. Mm-hmm. And even in a time when it wasn't available through a biological family. Yep. If that answers your question. Yeah, yeah. Um, so from your perspective, and this is the perspective of a foster parent, um, what is the adjustment period like for a foster kid when placed in a new foster home? Um, it varies. It varies from child to child. There's there's some children who um, they, they go through, they, they don't like change. They go through anger, um, uncertainty. We had a little boy in our care who him and his mother never were in one place at one time. They would travel from friends' couches to, to places, different places to stay. And one of one of the best feelings we had with him was when we took that he would never, ever sleep in the car. Never sleep in the car. We went picking apples one day and we're driving and we look back and the, just kind of keep an eye on him. And he is comped out. And it's cool because time slows down. We're driving. It's later, the sun's setting. You see, like, you're going by, by trees and everything. So you see, like, the that golden sun, it's hitting his face, and he just looks so content. Mm. Well, like, Apple make it at that point. It was, it was crazy. So yeah. it's, it's hard because kids will come in not knowing. And, I mean, if they're younger, whether, whether there is uh, – if you're, if you're looking at a family who wasn't caught – uh, drinking a lot during a pregnancy or doing a lot of drugs, fetal alcohol syndrome, that can be in children and they will never know, mm-hmm. right? If they're not tested for it or it doesn't come up as some sort of red flag, you're never going to know. So temperaments are going to be different, how they react to things. So you not knowing that, they're going to come in, they may be angry, they may not sleep. We had two little boys, uh, two brothers in our care, who they had night, we got the night lights to have, they slept in the same room together, and it took them a long time to just fall asleep. Well, we got to the point where one thing I did as a foster parent is I come up with a different song to sing to each kid. So each each uh, each foster child had a different song that I would sing to them. So and that always kind of sticks around. So ow, my heart, <laughs> ow. So one of them was I would go in and I would I would hum the song to them to kind of get them to go to sleep and they might not. They might sit up and keep talking and stuff, but you know, you do what you can. Try to keep a routine because they need it. Or if they didn't have it before, it's going to help them develop. It's it's a toss-up. It really is. Um, you just have to kind of find the child. You can't come in. A child doesn't come in and they're just all of a sudden comfortable. They're going to sit on your couch and they're going to watch TV and ask for snacks and they're going to be very guarded. Um, some of them will... Uh, they'll have accidents. Uh, they might they might tear things apart. They might um, not knowing if they're safe. They will resort to blocking themselves um, from 
from feeling anything from somebody, from somebody getting too close to them, if there was some sort of traumatic issue that mm -hmm. happened to them. Then you have to yeah. deal with that as well. Yeah. So if there's if there's any type of uh, if there's any type of sexual abuse as 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 a as a man, as a as a foster dad, you have you have kids come in and if you have like you have girls come in and stuff like that, and you know very well that what you have to do in order to 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 help them, your potty training, they're learning how to shower, whatever that age is, um, that can be difficult. So navigating around that because you want them to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Right. At that point, working together, it would be my wife would go in and, and, and help them shower, whatever made them feel comfortable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they, they would get to points where, you know, it's all right when, like I talked about the one boy who fell asleep in the car ride. Um, you get to a point where there's another little girl who's not being startled when you walk into the bedroom. When you're going to tuck them in and say goodnight to them, they feel comfortable. There's there's children who you open a door and they're up. Like they they wake up. They're just they don't sleep well. So many different instances. So it's kind of hard to yeah. point one, I guess. Yeah, and and I think this also touches upon some of the uh, underlining kind of lowest common denominator between adoptees and even just foster kids is that you know all of us for the most part. Um, you know, as children, you know, we, we didn't choose any of this, you know, like we are kind of thrust into these situations just by, you know, the situation or circumstance. And so I think that that lends to this idea of, you know, furthering this movement that we're trying to do with this podcast is to, you know, clearly there's a lot of trauma here. There's tons of trauma I and mean, just, just, you know, a young child having to deal with any of that, that's, 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 that's asking a ton, you know, but to be able to take something that could easily just be viewed as a negative thing. And this is just kind of like a stain on my past and it, it's hindering me, or I don't want to talk about it, or it's affected me to a point where I've developed issues or I have mental health issues or whatever it is that like I have, and a lot of adoptees have, um, we want to be able to, you know, not only just talk about it, but to kind of almost in many ways normalize it and say, look, it's okay. Like, like it's like that idea. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel, you know, negative things, you know, and it's, it's too often. I think people are always trying to run away from those things, but I'm like, look, it's okay. But the more we talk about it, the more we can own those stories, the less control they have over us. And that's really the concept of this is that that's why we trademarked adopted AF, which is, you know, now I'm thinking of like foster and like using other trademarks, but ultimately taking something that's negative and using it as a positive, you know, and that's what we want. We want people to empower themselves with their stories that they might otherwise not want to talk about because it is so traumatic. But, you know, we want people to have more control. And I think that regardless of being an adoptee or foster kid or whatever, all human beings want more control in their lives. Like I think COVID was a prime example of how we all had no control and it was very jarring. You know, I think I've met so many people that experienced depression for the first time in their life during COVID. And me being me, it was just like, I'll try doing that for 38 years, you know, but it's relative. Like if that's depression for them and that's the first time they experienced it, that, I, I get it. It is very jarring. But, you know, I, I think to give people more control, we need to empower ourselves through ownership, you know, and, and doing what we're doing right now is just talking about it. So what you guys are doing is fantastic. I think it does. We, 
as you say, it's on it's on shows. Like you, you see it on it's foster parenting is portrayed as a very negative thing a lot of the time. And what you're doing is you're giving you're giving kids and teenagers and some adults who are watching your podcast the information they didn't have, or if they're going into this, there could be a teen right now who who doesn't know who dealing with something traumatic and doesn't know how to go about it because they've heard horror stories. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, they could be with somebody who's gonna care for them, who's going to mm-hmm. to help them through whatever to for however long they needs to be. Yep. So I think you guys are going through and doing all of these uh all these different point of views. It's fantastic. And I think you guys are gonna help a lot of people. It's great. Yeah. And I, I do want to backtrack with the whole movie reference that I made. And I think that uh I'm not saying that there are no negative foster homes out there. You know, I think maybe the people who write these shows or movies, maybe they were a product of a bad situation and that's why they wrote about it. You know, I I often think about that a lot. I think about just like the idea of romantic, I know this is going to be a tangent, but like romantic comedies, you look at something, you watch a movie like that and you're like, that's not realistic. And then you're like, well, someone wrote it. And then I like to believe because I'm a hopeless romantic that maybe it happened one time in, in the history of the universe. And that one time is enough. You know, so maybe if they start portraying foster homes as like a positive thing, you know, then it it shows, hey, there are positive foster experiences and foster parents and foster homes. Like, why are we always putting this negative stigma on this? Even though they exist, let's also try to showcase the positive ones, you know, and I think that that's just not done Um, or I haven't seen it done. Maybe it is. I just maybe haven't seen it portrayed on the screen. So. I want to say there was a recent movie that I saw that had. I'm. Did Shazam have anything to do with foster care? I don't know why I'm thinking of that. Yeah, right. They were an orphanage. Yeah, and that that family was amazing. Family or an orphanage, whatever. Yeah. The point where they were so close, and he was dealing with all of the things, and they're like, "Hey, we got your back. You're, yeah. you're a superhero." And at at one point, I don't want to ruin the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. At one point. They get together to help out. Yes. But that's when you realize that it, doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are or what kind of things you have or what makes you different from somebody else. You can get together for a reason to care, a reason to help, a reason to love, a reason to save the world if need be. Yeah, I think that was the first movie that I saw Foster Care portrayed in a positive way. Like, you almost wanted to be part of that family. You're like, I want, I want to be part of that family. Those parents are amazing. It's like just a great dynamic. It it, it feels safe. It feels like, you know, just a, a, we all need a safe place. We need a safe space. All of us. When they found out, when they found out that he was, I'm, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm just making it up now in my head. But at one point, he like ran away, and they're yeah. like, we're gonna go find him. So like you guys wait here, we're gonna mm-hmm. hop, we're gonna hop in the van, and we're gonna. I mean, and it might be a small oversight to a lot of people, like it was to me. Yep. But when you look back at it, you go, "Hey, there's an opportunity where." Yeah. 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 Come on, Hollywood. We need more positive portrayals of foster care. The thing yeah. is, it's a very, it's a very real thing, and yeah. it happens more often than not in kids. When you're dealing with families who are, every family has it. Whether whether you're you're a blended family or a mixed family, with different cultures, or step brothers and stepsisters that you're finding 
I even even myself, I had that. Finding I told Claire I found I found a half brother on yeah. Facebook back in I'm excited. That's been such what? a great conversation. Okay, that's we need another episode. <laughs> it's like <laughs> one of the great things about this experience is that I often find myself just like sitting and, and listening to people's stories and I love hearing. I'm I'm more like processing. And so when I was talking to you and in our I think it was in a dual live that you told me that I was going on live with you. You're like, hop on right now. And I threw on my Canadian onesie and we sat there and talked. And then all of a sudden we started talking about the fact that you have a half brother that you didn't know and that you were a foster parent. And it's just so amazing to me how much Origins Unknown and the search has touched all of us. And it's great hearing your story as a foster parent. And then now as someone who's, I'm hoping that we, because he lives by me, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, it was Calgary. It was odd. It, I know I, I don't want to take all your time, but it was definitely odd. This, this is your this is your time. time. Yeah. What are you guys have to do? No, we don't. This is our job. <laughs> I um yeah, cause we talked we talked to Ashton about taking a trip down down your way. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to be able to meet him if we come down that way, right? So we're actually we're talking about doing that. Meet up with a couple of creators. Or down, when? down your side. Oh, when? Let's do it. Ooh. I don't know. We had, I started talking to you about it. And then I think uh, Ashton and I were both in your live or something. Yeah. Ooh, like a creator's retreat? I'll hire an actor and we'll put an iPad over the actor's face. And like, but it'll be like it's you. And then they'll, right? Like, so we, you're there, right? Like, you'll be face level. That would be amazing. We will glue on a mustache. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, we don't need to. Enough that somebody can walk up and be like, oh, yeah. No, I'm calling it right now. We both know that the mustache will be on my face by the end of the evening if we're at like a. Maybe, oh my gosh, should I get a Chris mustache? Is like, should that be one of our merch items? Handlebar, yeah. That's amazing. So I would love it if you guys wanted to come up and maybe, you know, do a reunion and. That'd be cool. So, Bam, so we, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked to him. I talked to him quite often, and uh, I actually brought him on to TikTok, and then nice up really quick, because um, he's he's a Santa. He's a Santa. Long story short, I sent him a message on. Yeah, if you look at his eyes and other stuff, look at his beard. He looks like a Santa. Oh my gosh! I I love Santas that natural like natural beard and like all those things like where it's not just something that they're putting on or gluing on or some type of outfit like it it, he looks like every picturesque uh, art version of a santa to me like so super a crazy aside i actually lived in an apartment building it was like the best apartment building because we became like a little family like on our floor because we lived there for so long and the guy who lived across the hall for me actually and went over he was actually a santa he, he had a santa school and so he would like teach people how to santa and like tutor them and stuff so like all the time in my building there'd just be different like versions of santa it was like probably the best year of my life what are the most common questions that foster kids ask we're, if we're if we're generalizing the questions uh we get everything from let's 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 go really deep with it um we we do have to tell children a lot of the time why parents don't show up for access visits. Um, how long are they going to be with us? Why can't we go see our our mom or our dad? Um, stuff like that. 
Was mm-hmm. it just it, it's the unknown of why why am I here? Um, because we dealt with younger children. It it could be it could be a matter of like the the home they came out of was was a mess, and they didn't have they're, they're not going to know if you're if, if the normalcy for them is to have dirty clothes, nothing for a lunch, um, always yelling, or there, there's no there, there's no comfort and, and, and love in, in, in the household. They they may ask that, but not necessarily like we can't give them that answer, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a matter of us just trying to tell them your your you know your mom or dad might have something going on. They need to they need to get better. They need to fix something. Um, we we try to generalize it, but the the big questions we get, I guess, would be um, why can't I visit? How long are we going to be here? Can I see them? And and would these questions come about after a period of time where they've, I guess, to some degree, feel a little more comfortable, or most of them kind of closed off for a while, or do do kids just ask the questions right away? Or I'll I'll, ask I'll, questions I'll, right away. Oh, okay, okay. Why am I here? <laughs> well, you know, and it would make <laughs> it hard because we're trying to make them comfortable. Yeah, and they're, you're in a stranger's house, and you're expecting to like go to sleep and, mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff, and then get up yeah. and have breakfast, and you know, you're, you're dealing with. We have to kind of work on the fly. As a follow-up question, what are some commonalities with like foster kids that you see? What are some common themes when kids arrive to you? What are some standard things that you notice, like commonalities between the kids, like things that they might do, they might say? You know, like is, is there like something that you can edify that is typical for kids that we've had in our care? I would, <laughs> oddly enough, I would easily say they want to go watch cartoons. What's something that most kids come in that's pretty common amongst all, all the foster kids we've had? I'd say they come in, they have no problem sitting down watching TV. Hmm. Hmm. We don't, we don't like they're, they're young enough, right? Yep. So there's not, I mean, we've had some that are upset, like clearly upset for what's going on. They've been pulled out of their home mm-hmm. um, for, for unknown reasons to them. But I, I could easily probably say that. They wanted to sit and watch some TV. We were like, oh, do you want to you put some cartoons on? Something that's familiar, right? Easily enough, you throw on some Disney Junior and the kids will exactly. watch it. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's what that, that essentially is. It's just trying to find some type of anchor that helps them feel a little more comfortable. I would say um, you you would offer if they're, if they're hungry or something, maybe they wouldn't, uh, they're, they're, they'll pass on it. Mm. They won't be too interested in eating. Mm-hmm. Um, for whatever reason, whether it's just it's just an unknown. Uh, so you're taught to not take food from strangers. And I picture my nieces and nephews who play strange, especially my nephew will, you know, he's a, a great, wonderful kid, but he's just uncertain of new people. Imagine taking them without anybody. And then you guys are getting this child that's like upset. And then they have to go to bed at your house in a strange bed. Right. Like it, it's just what you guys do. And like the cartoons thing, we found this with adoptees. Uh, that we're all really immersed into like pop culture. We ha- often have like TV shows that we're obsessed with. And like we, it's just a familiar thing. Like a lot of adoptees I've found will put on one show. Like I have watched The Office probably 25 times through. Mm. Fringe, Parks and Rec, right? And I, it's funny that you mentioned the TV thing. I didn't notice it. But it's it a comfort- pro- yeah. That is automatically comfortable. Yep. 
Um, I guess this kind of ties into this also. Um, what are the things that a foster parent can do to help k- kids adjust to this traumatic experience? Um, understand, understand them. Uh, don't try, you can't, you can't just jump right in and start trying to fix them. Uh, you just want to make them comfortable. Especially um, from, from day one to the first week, to maybe the first couple of weeks. It's about making sure they're comfortable. You want mm-hmm. to, we've always kept um, a schedule. We've always kept kind of things very particular. Like if you're, if you're coming in, oh, now, now our daughter goes to bed at this time and, and you're going to go to bed. And they have a bath at this time, so you're going to have a bath at this time. And you give them enough advance. You don't want to, you can't spring anything on them. Mm-hmm. Because... It's, it's a decision they have to make right away. I would, I would assume. Um, so yeah. So typically, we just we want them to be comfortable to a okay. point where because they they need for development, for development, for development, uh, proper development. You want them to sleep well. You want them to, mm-hmm. to feel comfortable. You need them to eat and yeah. So just kind of essentially like meet them where they're at, rather than trying to get them to you know, go a place where they're not ready to go. Um, and then also just like anything else. Yeah. Like you're saying structure is so important. Like you need, like, I think all of us need structure, you know, we need routines. We need these things because, you know, it's hard to kind of function or even get anything or just be productive in general if you don't have some type of schedule. So that's, that's good that, um, yeah, you guys are hyper-focused on that. Um, and this is a big one for me. Um, and in talking every time we talk to adoptees, as a foster parent, what do you want to say to adoptees? None of what happens is your fault. It's not, it can't be explained as easily as you might want it to be. Uh, just know that if you're, if you're being looked at to, to, if you're looking, if you're being looked at to be with a family for the rest of your life, that might not be what you're used to. Look at it through the through the eyes of somebody who it wasn't the family you were born into, but the the foster parents that you have are the family that choose you. Mm-hmm. And we want we want nothing but the best for the kids that come into our care because we realize we've seen through experience struggles kids can have and we don't want that for the next one we want yeah. them comfortable we want them to be confident we want them to develop the way any any other kid should and being adopted into a family is is just that it's just being part of the family and it's not a scary thing if it's if it's necessary proceed with some caution if you if you need to if that's what makes you feel comfortable but it can definitely be an, an open arm embrace mm-hmm. to something that's when you when you realize that foster parents are there just to or foster to adopt parents even are there to make you part of their family not for not to take you away from another family but to make you part of theirs because mm-hmm. they care about your well-being yeah. that makes people feel comfortable knowing that it's just you're just 
they want to be part of their family. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of sometimes people just need to hear certain things. You know, I think too often things are either implied or things aren't said at all. Um, but what you said, I think, is really powerful. Is that as much as I have heard that from my own parents that you know this has nothing to do with you, that you know you hear it a lot, but you know I think coming from you, it also resonates with me. You know, and I think um, you know just thank you for saying that. It's yeah, no problem. It's uh, it, it will drive kids crazy when they're trying to think of. Did I do something wrong to make somebody stop loving me? It is not, it's nothing about that. It's, it's the issue with the, with the biological parent. It, it is no, no fault. And, and you, you see it when kids come in, when kids come into your care, you will see how they will tread lightly on things because they don't want to get in trouble. Mm. Assume that whatever, for whatever reason, they're, they're not in their home anymore. It's probably the reason that might, Turn somebody else off, which I guess to some kids, if you're going from foster home to foster home to foster home, might be an issue. And you just you need to, to find who you're comfortable with, I guess. And there are foster parents out there who genuinely want that. They want you to be close. They want you to feel comfortable. Because yeah. every child deserves it. Yeah, absolutely. This is... I, I I love this because for me, I'm learning so much, you know, and I think that that's what's so great is that it's illuminating. And it's um, even our last episode with Jeremy Clark, like there's just so many things I didn't know about, you know, children with alternative needs that I, because it is intimidating when you're not exposed to a lot of that stuff, you know, but that's what we're trying to do here is just expose everyone that's tuning in, that's listening um, just expose them to different facets of this, you know, that everything that, that falls under this umbrella of, you know, adoption, foster care, blended families, transracial adoption, like everything, all the gray areas, because it's not like you said earlier, it's not cut and dry. It's not black and white. It's so kind of muddy, you know, and we need to be able to, you know, share these stories because they're so important. They're so important. So I, I just truly appreciate your time and you are, uh, I mean, if you guys aren't watching this again, he, Chris has the most majestic beard. Like it's amazing. It's, I love the gray down the center. Like that, that reminds me of like a rogue with her white hair type of thing. Like that looks dope. Well, Chris, thank you. Thank you so much, um, for taking the time to talk to us and, and share your story. I think it's something that everyone needs to hear, especially within this space, um, so again, just truly appreciate your time and, you know, we look forward to eventually start doing follow-up episodes with people. Um, so we'd love to touch base in the future. I Thank you so much. You. Thank you so much. When I reach out to you, you know, it's so amazing when I reach out to these adoptees and different people to, to walk you through from telling me your story to actually coming and sharing it. And it can't be easy. And just thank you so much. It's so great. Oh, thanks for having me. If you'd like to connect with us on Instagram or TikTok, you can find us at Origins Unknown Podcast. You can follow my co-host at Beyond the Tats. You can find me at Sea Bear Huntington. We're also on Twitter. Follow us at O Unknown Podcast. If you'd like to visit our website, it's OriginsUnknownPodcast.com. Also, if you'd like to send us questions, 
uh, share your story, or even just say hi, you can send us an email at hello at originsunknownpodcast.com. Special thanks to Pace Randolph for writing, performing, and producing the audio for our podcast. Follow him on Spotify for more wonderful music. I think I walked the long way home. Now for just pick me up and hold me close when things get rough. And you're